0: glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. How I many you notice those two words in verse 3 that are found almost the exact same words in Isaiah chapter 40? The Lord fainteth not, neither is... Weary, but the point I want to make by going to Hebrews 12 is that's not true of us. Galatians chapter 6, the Bible says, In due season we'll reap if we faint not. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, I believe it is, 2 Thessalonians 3, said, Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we'll reap if we faint not. That's, that's Galatians 6. 2 Thessalonians 3 also says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. My message this morning, I believe the Lord's message, while We would not want to leave anyone out, and certainly the gospel will be preached through this. But the message, I believe, is very much intended for those in the room this morning who you're on your course. God has saved you, saved you out of a life of sin, saved you out of a life of servitude to sin. By the way, if you're still serving sin today, meaning sin demands and you obey, you need to answer the question, why? If sin demands of you, and I'm not preaching sinless perfection, this is not that's not at all what I'm even suggesting, but if today the master of your life is still sin, some disobedience to God, and you find yourself incapable to come free of that, there's one of two problems. Either you've never been born again, so either you've never received the Holy Spirit of God, who is the one who gives you the ability to overcome that, Or in some area He's present, but you're quenching or grieving Him, not enabling Him to do the work in your life you want, that He wants rather. And so today it's not God's intent that we should continue in sin that grace may abound. The power of the gospel is that our sin debt has been satisfied in what Jesus Christ did. So you're not this morning, and I am not to be laboring to try to satisfy God's demand for righteousness. That's done. Christ did that in his own sinless perfection. He did that in his death on the cross. He satisfied the justice of God by taking our penalty, and he lives today. But today, knowing that our sins are forgiven gives us power and that we have life from Jesus Christ gives us power to live for the Lord. And I believe what often happens when someone's been saved, you've received from God a pardon for your sins against him through faith in Jesus Christ. There's a great relief of soul to know I am no longer going to be condemned, and I am no longer condemned in the sight of God. I am justified through faith in Jesus Christ, meaning God sees me as righteous. And then when that happens, something happens. If you continue to walk with God, the grace of God works in your life, teaching you to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, and that you should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Easy, easy. Easy to do. Just live sober, righteous, and godly lives in this present world. Nothing's against you. I mean, you know that what I just described out of Titus chapter 2, living soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world is a human impossibility. Though it is the lesson that grace teaches us. We're to live that way. What happens, and I can just testify in my own life, when the grace of God, the fact that Christ saved me, eternally without me having to do anything to earn that other than trust Him. And that's not earning. I trusted Him. He washed my sins away through His own blood. He has secured me. He's the one right now keeping me saved. And I don't deserve that. That does something in my heart say, then I'm going to live for Him. And I set forward to do that, and then I find out doing that wears me out. True? W-E-A-R wears me out. That's part of the word... Weary. I have no doubt. I really don't because of uh, the Lord giving this message today. There are probably not... Let's remove the word probably. There are those in this room today trying to serve the Lord weary in well-doing. And this morning, you and I can get weary. The Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing. That insinuates, guess what? You can. The Bible says that we'll reap in due season if... We faint not, which means we can. We can faint. Hebrews 12 says, God says, I don't want you to faint. What does it mean to faint, by the way? We think of faint, we think of somebody all of a sudden just, you know, losing consciousness and falling over. And it does that means it means running out of so much strength you quit. There comes a day you say, it is so difficult and so challenging to live the life that God has laid out before me. I am out of strength and I would go forward if I could, but I can't. I'm done. And God says, don't do that. How many know that sometimes God's way is extremely narrow? He says, don't do that. Don't faint. And you think, how not? How do we not faint? Let's let's talk this through just a minute before we get into the the heart of this message back in Isaiah 40. What is there in this world today to make living a life that's pleasing to the Lord, personal life, married life, home life, church life, work life, society life, is there anything against living for God? By the way, we don't have a monopoly on that. The world has been since the Garden of Eden against the way of God. There are more evil men and seducers in these times, but the fact of the matter is, everywhere you turn today, there's opposition to the will of God in your life. It's in your flesh. It's in the supermarket. It's everywhere, and that's true. And what happens is, and I believe... Satan behind, being the God of this world, seeks to wear us down to where we faint. But how many of us know this? God's requirement or command not to faint is still the same today as it's ever been. He does not want us to throw in the towel because we're too tired. Some people faint because they'd rather be doing something else. It's not really fainting. They're just they veer off course, they shipwreck. But fainting is I'm on the right path, doing the right thing but I run out of strength and I quit. And so then the, the problem that's put forward in Hebrews 12 and Galatians 6, the, the potential of fainting because of human weariness is answered in the fact that God does not weary. God does not weary. If I told you today that um, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago my dad and I, we drove, uh, we drove across the country in a moving truck uh, for my, my in-laws. And what we had to do a number of times is stop that truck and refuel. If not, we would have fainted by the way. And what happens is this. How many of us know our nation could get in such a state where you couldn't drive across the country because we don't have enough fuel supply? Can we run out? Of course we can. We take it for granted that you couldn't. So when we talk about fainting, we're talking about your fuel supply, your strength supply. And I have no doubt about this. When it comes to serving the Lord, it requires a strength that you and I cannot put forward. We will exhaust our own strength in soon, in quick order. I was talking to a man this week, and we were talking about this very subject. This message was not on my mind at that moment, but perhaps the Lord used that to put it there. But we were talking about serving the Lord, and the discussion was, he said, I know it's not God's will that I should sin. I know that. But it seems like somehow he's allowing that and still dealing with me in the middle of that. And he's trying to reconcile in his own mind. I know I'm saved. I know that there's things in my life that are sinful. It seems like God is using that somehow, but I know he doesn't want me to sin. Well, so you're absolutely right. He does not want you to sin. What he will at times allow us to do is try to do his will in our own strength long enough to figure out we can't. He will do that. And you say we're not going to serve in our own strength. Well, then we have to do it in the Lord. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 40 again. If you may still be there, let's read the verses again. And give you three to outline these four verses with these three simple points. And then with God's help, make some application. Having looked at the New Testament, at our ability and capability of fainting, I'll say more about that in a moment. Let's consider these verses. Verse 28, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. Verse 29, he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Now, I'll say it again. One of the things that we need in perilous times, perilous times or spiritually dangerous times, is strength. I believe one of the effects that the last... Year and a half to two years has had on a lot of people. Is people just worn out with it. Worn out with the uh, with with try. How many of you wearies your mind to try to figure out in these days who's telling the truth? How how difficult has making a judgment call about okay? I I don't in any way want to do the wrong thing here, and I don't want to do the wrong thing here. And by and by it just wearies the mind. And I believe that's been one of the effects of recent days. I believe during. This period of time, just from talking to a lot of other Christians, other preachers, I believe that during this period of time that's now being labeled, labeled COVID, where you have a worldwide event taking place, as I talked to other pastors, there seems to be a common denominator that COVID is only one, one complicating factor of a number of issues. It seems to me that our adversary knows that in these last days, his time is short. And I'm saying it seems to me, this is the way it appears to me, that uh, uh, Brother Josh Roach, a uh, friend from Alaska, he outlined it this way. He said, you know, in the end of a, of a ball game, if you're in the fourth quarter and the team is down by five points, how does that team behave with two minutes left on the clock? They go full, pork, full court press, do they not? True enough. And I believe our adversary has some level of understanding that, you know what, time is short. I'm not calling him omniscient, he doesn't know all things, but some understanding, time is short. He is a defeated foe, by the way. Once Christ came out of the grave, he's defeated. And what's going on in our period of time, if we're a Christian today, there is a lot going on to discourage you. That's the Bible word, to discourage you from the way of righteousness. God still saved us out of a life of bondage to sin in freedom to do right and we are still in this time to live godly lives in Christ Jesus. 21st century is not a, a, a reason or an excuse to say the way the Christian life is to be carried out has now changed because the world has changed. I do believe it's more challenging probably than it's been in time past. But it doesn't change the fact that we need to live the lives God has called us to. And yet, if we're not careful, we can get so discouraged, we say, it is an impossibility. A young person can get discouraged and say, I hear what's right. I know God has saved me. There's a desire to do what's right, but it seems so hard. What God wants us to learn is to answer this question in verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God And that deals with God in the frame of time. When man was very wicked prior to the flood, God was still God. And while what man did grieved him, it didn't tire him. We understand that? How much opposition? Let's just put it this way. How many years of opposition has God faced from mankind? About 6,000 plus. Meaning man, under the leadership of Satan, has been against God for all these thousands of years. And it hadn't changed him one bit. The everlasting God, the Lord, that's Jehovah God, the Redeemer of Israel, the Creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. But that searching means you'll never exhaust the understanding of God. Man and all his devices, Satan and all his devices, has never worn God out in his mind one bit. God's never sat back and said, Oh no, what do I do now? And you say, "Why Why are we needing this today? Because here's what happens. If we're not careful, we begin to look at the Lord through the lens of all the things that discourage us and dishearten us and take the strength spiritually out of us. And we think that He is affected by these things the same way we are. And the Lord has said, That's not the case. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not. Neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. And when the wicked men in the plain of Shinar built the Tower of Babel. I think they thought to outsmart God. Don't you believe the same? They said, what we're going to do is we're going to unify. We're going to unify one another. And we're going to build something that makes us as high as God. And you know what? In a moment, in an instant of time, God said, nope. You're not. He changed their language and there they went everywhere. I believe spiritually, intellectually today, man is doing the same thing. We're going to unify ourselves, and we, we don't need this God of the Bible. We are a God under ourselves. That's what humanism is all about. That's what communism is all about. We're going to build us a network, and we will be God. We'll make life. We'll sustain life. We'll, we'll do all of that. We don't need God. And I'm concerned that maybe some who know the Lord say, Oh, no. May I say this, the Lord is undisturbed in the sense of he's not going to faint. Man's not going to wear him out. When when God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ, the Bible said he received such contradiction of sinners against himself. And this is what wears saints out. There are sinners day in and day out, including your own sorry old fleshly nature that contradicts God. And the contradiction of sinners makes serving the Lord wearisome. But the Bible says it did not overcome Him. So we need to understand this morning, verses 28 and 29, the sufficiency of our Lord. The sufficiency of our Lord. That word sufficiency is used in the Bible. we'll look at it here in a few moments, especially in the New Testament where the Apostle Paul used it in relation to living out the life that God's called us to live as Christians. May I say this this morning? If this morning you're not seeking to serve the Lord, you're probably not spiritually tired. You may be physically tired. But if if there's not some contradiction of sinners against you, you might wonder which way you're going. If the only thing that contradicts you is Bible preaching, then you need to repent. I'll just say that plainly. If the only thing that rubs you the wrong way is not sinners but Bible preaching, you're going the wrong direction. You need to repent and get on God's side. This morning... If you're serving the Lord, there's going to be some people in your life that are opposing you. There's going to be contradiction against you. But the Bible says, I want to remind you, he's speaking of the nation of Israel, but in so much that it is given to them, we are grafted into that promise of the, of the, of the sufficiency of God given to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he reminds us, verse 28 and 29, about the strength of God. God doesn't faint. He doesn't get weary. There is no exhaustion. There's no searching of His understanding. He does not run out of answers. Then He says, verse 29, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have how much might? No might. Increaseth strength. How do you increase something that doesn't exist? How do you do that? If if you look in your fuel tank, and... So you know what? There is not even a fume of gasoline in there. How do you increase not even a fume? You have to get it from an outside source. You can't take what's there, pull it out and multiply it and increase it. The idea would be this. God knows that we do faint. God knows that we lose our might, our strength, our will to resist the contradiction our will to, to say, no, let, let God be true and every man a liar. There comes a wearing down of the stamina of heart and mind, even to the strongest of Christians, to stand for the Lord. May I say this? We're in a time, I said this Thursday night, where God's people need to be refusing to move. It's not a time where we need a new movement. We need to say, we have what we need, and we need to hold fast to what we have. We have a perfect Bible. We have a perfect Savior. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We have a message that still saves souls. But the the temptation is to say, it's just too difficult to hold true to God. I don't have strength. May I say this morning, you may be sitting here and say, I am spiritually exhausted. You're a great candidate for God to help today. Because God doesn't look at you and say, now, if you have this much strength left, then I'll, I'll add to that and increase it. God helps them that help themselves. That's not what this verse says. God helps those who cannot help themselves. I pray this morning, if you're here and you've never been saved, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, I believe you watch a process in someone's life They try and try. God begins to convict them or reprove them of their sinfulness. And they say, man, I'm not what I'm supposed to be. I'm not righteous enough. Amen. Then God begins to reprove of judgment. Because you're not righteous enough, you're not fit for my kingdom. And if you do not become righteous, I have to cast you away into hell. And Then he begins to reprove us of something else, righteousness. And that is, you are not what you're supposed to be. And therefore, you're worthy of judgment. And there comes a point when I believe a sinner says, but I'll make myself righteous. I'll make myself righteous. And they try being good and they try working hard. And maybe they try religion. They try going to church. It's a blessed day when that person finally says, it can't be done. <laughs> it can't be done. And God says, oh, it can, but not through you, but through Jesus Christ. That's salvation. When you say, I give up trying to make myself righteous, I'll trust Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Now, Christian, the Bible says, "As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him." You know what a root does? It draws its strength and its nutrition from the ground. And God says that you are to be rooted and built up in Jesus Christ, not in who you are. I'll just tell you this: this is a this is a daily, weekly, monthly struggle for the man preaching to you. That God always gives me the same answer to when I look in and say, "Man." How can I be the kind of Christian I sense I know I'm supposed to be? I want to be a preacher that does something for the Lord. I want God to use me. And I begin to look at me and I get very discouraged. I am not all that I believe I ought to be this morning. And God says, quit looking at you and look at him. And that's when things change. When I say, you know what? God, I can't. I cannot pray like I ought to pray. I pray, but I don't pray like I ought to pray. I mean, honestly, how ought we to pray? Like we pray or like Jesus prays? How many of you have ever sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in, in grieving over another sinner? I never have, but he has. May I say this? He is sufficient for strength as much as he is for salvation. And today, God's will for your life is not changed by the times. It's not changed by our weariness. What God says is this. I do not run out of strength. I do not run out of wisdom. You do. And the Bible says He does what? He giveth power to the faint. You know what giveth is? It is imparted to you on His cost and not on yours. God's power is a gift. He giveth power... To the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. It's a blessed thing to be reminded that our strength does not come from our flesh. Our strength comes from the Spirit of God. Mark 14:38. Jesus said, Watch ye and pray lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready. I believe with all my heart, because I know many of you very well, I'm your pastor, there is a heart that says, I want to do right. I want to do right. I really do. The Spirit indeed is willing. How many believe Peter was willing to do right? But how many know that he absolutely failed for a long time in doing right? And he failed utterly the night he denied he knew the Lord. Somebody tell me, what was the number one reason Peter failed? Because the pressure was too great? Or he looked to the wrong resource to get the strength to stand up? What Help me here. What, Peter, what should Peter have done the night that Jesus was crucified and they said, are you one of his disciples? Let's just check this off. What would have been the true thing to say? Yes. What did he say? He lied. Not only did he lie, he lied three times. He not only lied three times. He backed it up with cursing and swearing to say, see, I'm really not one of his disciples. I don't even act like one. Now, did Peter want to do that? Romans 7:18 Paul says I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing for to will is present with me but how to perform that which is good I find not is this not the grief of the christian life now look at grief is not the end it is it is the bridge to the end the grief is I know what's right and I know because Christ saved me I ought to serve Him and I know I ought to be what I ought to be and I shouldn't be denying Him in my words or conduct and I shouldn't be conforming to the world and I'm willing to do what's right. The Spirit indeed is ready. That means willing. In fact, that's what Matthew says. It's willing. But the flesh is weak. There is no natural recipe known to man you know what? I talked a little bit about asceticism in Sunday school. Asceticism is, I will deny myself anything that is in any way pleasing. That is man's fleshly effort to produce spirituality. And it doesn't work. And then others say, well, you might as well not even try. You might as well just live for the world. God's will didn't change. What happens is, as we endeavor to live for the Lord, we come to that place where Peter was at, where we're willing but we're incapable Again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but God wants us to know first and foremost your ability to walk with me, your ability to serve me, your ability to be my people is not built upon your sufficiency but upon mine. Now, we all know the right answers this morning. If I'd say, is, is God, is heaven lacking in wisdom? Well, of course not. Is God lacking in strength? No, of course not. Is he wearied or, f- or fainting over the, the condition of the world? Maybe finally sinners have contradicted him enough that God's ready to sit down at the table and negotiate a little bit. No. No, no, he, he changes not. God's not weary or faint this morning. And what the Bible says is his sufficiency, it is, it is inexhaustible and it is available. It is inexhaustible, verse 28. There's no searching of his understanding, and it is available in verse 29. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Simply put, God says, I have all the strength you need, and I am willing to transfer it to you. But don't miss this. Who is he willing to transfer it to? Those that faint. If you're faint, if you are worn out, if you're tired, and if you have no might. It tells me, turn to Isaiah 57 very quickly. I, I hope this is going to make some sense. God has to allow us to get to a place where we can get help from Him. God has all the strength that we need, but we have to get to place where we are wearied or no might and faint often before we can get the help we need. Look at Isaiah 57:15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. How many of you love going around saying, you know, now some people do. Some people enjoy attention by saying how many problems they have. But how many of you, somebody asks you, how are you doing today? I am absolutely without any strength. I'm the weakest person you'll ever meet. Do we, all, do we do that? Of course not. Of course not. How many of you have ever had something like this? You're endeavoring to take on some kind of a project. Fellas, I'll pick on us. You're at home. You're endeavoring to take on some kind of project, and your wife says, honey, do you need help? No, I got it. I got it. I got it. This morning, I'll, I'll, I'll just pick on me. How about that? Let's just get better. I'm walking out of my bathroom that's attached to my room. I'm going to go use the shower in the guest room, bathroom. My wife says, do you have everything you need? I said, I got it. I got everything. in there. I went in there and got everything. I was so proud of myself, I had thought of everything I needed. Now, she knows me. So she asked to help me. So she knows me. Five minutes later, I'm back. It's, I didn't get it. I forgot my razor. and forgot my shaving cream. and forgot a towel twice. And so how many of you guys do this? Song? Say, no, no, I, I got it. I got it. We've got, we got some project we're going to take on. And somebody that knows we don't have it says, could I help you? You know, no, I appreciate that very much. But the famous words of North Idaho, I'm good. I don't need help. I don't need any more religious booklets. I don't need the Bible. I don't need salvation. because Look at me. I'm good. You know why? God says, I don't give power to those who have it. I give power to those who don't. I'll say it again. It's a blessed day and we say, I cannot produce what God requires. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Save one. All of us. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But you know what? Jesus Christ never sinned. He never came short of the glory of God. He never sinned through intent or weakness. You know, I've sinned in my life where I was trying my best to do what's right and I just couldn't hold out and I gave in. I ran out of strength. Anybody else? Now, I've sinned at times where I knew exactly what I was doing and did on purpose. Don't misunderstand. But I have, since trying to do what's right, trying my hardest. Look, at if you're looking at living the life that God has called you to as a saved person, saying, I got it, I got it. You'll have to come a day and say, I don't have it. But God says, don't stop there. I do. He says, I give power to the faint, and I increase strength to them that have no might. I'll be honest with you. I think one of the best things that could have ever happened to American Christians is the last two years. Because you know what it's done? Let's go, cool. we didn't see this one coming. What do we do with this? Lord, how do we answer this? Uh, well, huh? <laughs> and it's caused us to realize how weak we truly are. Now, God's point is not to make us look weak. What he's saying is, I am willing to transfer power to you, but I transfer my strength to the, to the faint, and I give power to those who have no strength, have no might. And so then... That's the sufficiency of God. By the way, in John 15, 5, I love to link these two verses as often as I can. John 15, 5, Jesus says, without me, ye can do nothing. How discouraging is John 15, 5 if that's all you have in your Bible? But Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. So you think of this morning whatever your temptation is. And we think temptation, we immediately think some luring to sin. And certainly that is. You may be this morning thinking, I have a, a, an allurement to sin and I don't have the strength to overcome it. He was in all points tempted like as you are, yet without sin. Meaning as you face that temptation, he's willing to transfer his strength to you to overcome that sin. Your temptation this morning may not be to commit a sin. It may be to omit righteousness. I know what's right. I am just out of strength to do it. He's willing to, How much righteousness did he omit? How tired do you think he was in the garden when he went and prayed? Now, you and I, we're like Peter. We'll go take a nap. He went and prayed. How many of you know that sometimes we're taking naps when we ought to be praying? So what we may say is, well, he knows what we are but dust. Let's go take a nap together. God says, no, I still want you to pray. But you're going to have to let me transfer my strength to you. That's the sufficiency of God. Then the Bible talks about the strength of man, verse 30. He said, even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. I, I believe he's referencing the time in which we live. Why does he say it this way? Even those who are known for their strength will not be able to stand. How many, how many Christians have we seen fall into sin, fall out of fellowship with God, and by fall I mean failed to do what was right, fail to stand on the principles of God's word. What is our command in Ephesians chapter 6? Having done all to stand... Stand there for it. Here's what a fall is. We call it compromise. It's when I yield a position of truth that I know I should not. That's part of what a fall is. I'm supposed to stand on God's ground, and I receive so much pressure, I finally say, you know what? I'm going to have to give up some ground. And I fall. The Bible says, "Even, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Those who are known for stamina, those who are known for... I remember when I was a youth, we used to do all-nighters. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you'd you'd go all night. We would would play volleyball and dodgeball and all this stuff all night. I'd go sleep for two hours and go all day. you do that to me now, I'm in the hospital. That that is not happening. But even the youths, the Bible says, God's reinforcing your own natural strength will not be enough. And I'm telling you, we are at a time... That, that as as Christians we need to be awakened to the fact that you are either going to stand or fall in the time the evil time in which we live. Even those who are naturally strong, even those who naturally be able to to stand up to some things and have some stamina, no, even they shall fall. Natural strength is not going to be enough to take the stand that we need to for our Lord. Then we come to our final verse, and really the heart of this has been preached: our supply. So, even the youths and the faint uh, shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Not just fall. The Bible talks about in Proverbs being utterly cast down, being utterly fall. They, they, they shall, they'll be destroyed in spiritual conflict and battle. Verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. God says, I don't faint, I'm not weary. Even you who are naturally strong do faint and become weary and utterly fall. But here's who's going to stand. Not those who are naturally strong. Not those who are naturally capable. But those who do what? Wait upon the Lord. Now wait doesn't mean you're sitting around all the time twiddling your thumbs. It means you have confidence in Him. You look to Him and you wait upon Him to give you what He's promised. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Psalm 27. Turn there if you would very quickly. Similar verse. Psalm 27. It's not an era where we need more creativity. It's an era where we need faith. Faith in the Lord, the fact that He is living today, the fact that the gospel does not only include His death but His resurrection says this He is not only able to transfer His righteousness to your account, He is willing and able to transfer His strength to your life. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What's the next phrase say? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What is it today that is the prevailing spirit of our age? We've said it over and over. Spirit of fear. Why? Because we're being opposed by things we know are stronger than us. How many of you think there are people running this world that are a little bit more intelligent than most of us in this room? Now, come on. Let's be honest. How many of you think that the God of this world, little G, is a lot more intelligent than us? He, He can run laps around me intellectually. But you know what? Our strength is not in us. It's in the Lord. The Lord is my strength. He's the strength of my life. Well, if the Lord's the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? I was doing some study this week on David and Goliath. And I believe Goliath is a tremendous picture of pride. David learned early on that everyone around him was conquered by that giant. His oldest brother, Eliab, was conquered by Goliath. You say, well, he never battled him. I know that's why he was conquered by him. Most battles are lost because they're not fought. Eliab was conquered. All the men of Israel conquered. His great king, King Saul, head and shoulders taller than everybody else. Even the youths were fainting before Goliath. But David went, and Goliath said, I, 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 me, and David said, thy servant and the Lord. And he said, I'm not coming to you because I'm a great slingshot, throw, uh, sling, slinger, slinger, uh, stone slinger. I'm not coming to you because I'm a great warrior. I'm coming to you because I represent a great God. This is not This is not just a spiritual pep talk this morning. I'm trying to make some practicality. Today, there are pressures on the Christian to cave and say, you know what, I hear the preaching and the teaching of God's Word and I read what God has called me to, a life of godliness, a life of boldness for Him, but it has worn me down. Listen, God's strength has not run out. Our part is this, wait on the Lord. God is ready and willing and able to help us. Psalm 27, verse 14. So we just read Psalm 27, verse 1. I love the 27th Psalm. There's so much there. Verse 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall what? Strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Look at Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. I reckon why he has to use the word wait. Wait does mean things aren't happening now as soon as I want them to, right? Wait means I have to allow time to lapse because I believe this, God does not operate on the same schedule we do. We have to wait on him to do things in his time. But look what Isaiah 30 verse 18 says. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. God says this morning, if you are faint, if you're weary, God is not. Don't rely on your natural strength. Even the young men shall fail. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And then he explains that they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Someone's pictured it this way. You start with flying and then you're running and then you're walking. Almost a picture of the course of life. And you're coming in for that landing and you run then you walk to the finish. And the Bible says you'll mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not. Saint. How many of you want to be able to be the, the carrying out of Isaiah 4031? Meaning, one of my desires as the pastor of this church, I don't want to see you quit serving the Lord. I don't want to see you say, you know, I've gone far enough with God. I, 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 I've, I've let him have enough rule in my life. And I would hate to, to see you turn aside and say, you know what? I, I, it's along the lines we have been teaching in Sunday school. It, it would just be better to go and just live in the world instead of trying to carry out the will of God in my life. There's too much opposition. God says, no, you can mount up with wings as eagles. You can fly above the difficulties. And again, we're not, we're not trying to give pep talk. This is the word of God. You can run and not be weary. If physically you take me out on a run today, I'm going to get weary. God says, if you wait on me, I'll continually transfer my strength to you and you'll be able to carry out my will for your life in my strength. And here's what we have to come down to. That's the life God's called us to. His life in us, carrying out His will in us for His glory. You know, no one that's truly lived for God can finish their course and say, well, I did it. I finished because the Lord enabled. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. How many know that we humans have this little bitty problem called pride? The same reason if I'm working on a project and I really don't know what I'm doing and you say, can I help you? And I say, no, I think I got it. It's the same reason the Lord says, can I give you some strength? Well, maybe a little, but I think I'm pretty good. So we would never do that to the Lord. Well, of course we do. Because we want to be able to do His will and our power. And God says it won't happen. You'll faint and you'll be weary. And I guess my exhortation to you this morning is some of you here, no doubt, have set your whole heart to carrying out the will of God. And there's contradiction and contradiction. You say, I want a personal life that pleases God. But there's contradiction of sinners now what we can do is we can get angry at all the sinners and say, those rotten people, maybe God should strike them with lightning. Well, we can do that, but that's not what Christ did. He said, Father, forgive them, but they know not what they do. There's going to be contradiction of sinners. And perhaps there are those this morning who say, you know what? I've just about had, I'm about ready to throw in the towel. Before you do that, if you'll acknowledge I'm faint and I'm out of might, I believe the Lord's given this message today to say to you, But I am not. And if you look to him, he'll give you all that you need so that you can mount up with wings, keep going the direction God wants you to go. You can run and not be weary. You can walk and not faint. Let's look at a few verses to conclude, if you would. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. The Lord Jesus is talking about the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship. How many think you have the strength today if you were told you must deny your faith in Jesus Christ or have your head removed? How many think have the strength to say, take it off? I don't. I sit there and try to think about the prospect of literally a man with a sword saying, I'm going to remove your head unless you deny the Savior. I'm going to sit there and think, what about my wife? What about my kids? How bad is it going to hurt? say, pastor, But that's exactly what Jesus faced in a Roman crucifixion. He had strength. And I can say, I don't have it in me, but I know one who does. And if he'll give me his strength, I'm willing to wait on him and carry out his will. Luke chapter 14 says, don't you go to build a tower until you've counted the cost. Eh? Luke chapter 14, you say, what does this have to do with our message? Bear with me. Verse 28 says, verse 27, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, the bearing of a cross is a burden. It will weary you and cause you to faint. Verse 28, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to do what? Finish it. You've got to count the cost. If I'm going to follow Christ, I have sufficient to finish the course he's called me to. Now, you say, is that a trick question? Kind of, because I think if you know you have him, you have sufficient to finish it. You with me? All you have to have to be sufficient to finish your course is him. Because he has the sufficiency. Let's move forward in these verses on sufficiency. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The Bible says this. Paul talking about the effect of their ministry, verse 14. Now thanks be to God which Always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And what's his question? And who is sufficient for these things? Who is sufficient for these things? Now, the, the, who has a sufficiency for what they were being used to do? Let's move on. Second Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, And such trust have we through Christ to God. Godward, not, verse 5, that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, I love this verse. It's in the context of, Material giving, but it applies across the board. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. And then finally, we are very well aware of what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, when he besought the Lord three times, that his thorn might depart from him, the thorn in the flesh... That's what he says in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The question for us this morning is, Am I sufficient to get into heaven? The quick answer is absolutely not. It takes Jesus Christ to make you righteous. Am I sufficient, if you already know your sins are forgiven and you're in the family of God, to live out and run what the Bible calls your race, your course? God has a plan for how He wants your life lived until He calls you home. Am I sufficient to finish? And the answer is not in me, but He is sufficient. And if I wait on Him, the Bible says, you look to Him and wait on Him to supply to you what you need. And that by Him, I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In closing, Ephesians chapter 3. This is not a message that has not been preached before, but needs to be preached again today. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now unto him, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Many have said one of the reasons we don't have spiritual awakening is because we have figured out how to do the work of God without the Holy Spirit of God, which means what we're doing is not actually the work of God, if that's what's being done. Today, I don't know where you are. It's possible there's somebody here, and you're still trying to make yourself righteous by what you do. May God help you realize today you cannot. That only through faith, only Jesus Christ can make you righteous enough to go to heaven to go and be in, to enter into God's kingdom, be part of his family. That could be you. But the primary message today is there are those running your race today. And perhaps the course and perhaps the contradiction of sinners, perhaps this morning, there's weight that's caused by us. Maybe there's a weight or a sin. Lay that off. God wants you to lay that off. But especially for those of you know, I've laid some things aside. I've laid off everything I know. and I'm doing all I can but I find I don't have enough strength. That's a blessed thing because today the Lord says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary.